two kings. In this world, there are two kings. Both of them asking for our allegiance. Both of them asking us for our worship. In our text this morning that Jimmy read for us, and I thank him for it. Two kings. One, the king of Salem, which means peace. And another, the king of Sodom, the king of this world. Both offering an opportunity to Abraham. An opportunity to either deepen his commitment to this world or to deepen his commitment to the world to come. We've been studying the names of God in and in this text, we find a new name, El Elron, God Most High. And in this world, we must choose between God Most High or the God of this world. We must choose whether we're going to serve the God of peace or the God of pleasure. We must choose whether we will serve the God of righteousness or selfishness. We must choose whether we are going to serve the God who offers us the elements of life, the bread and the wine, or whether we will receive the bounty of this world, riches, clothes, and whatever it is that, that our hearts would pursue. Abraham faced a difficult choice, a choice that, that was probably as, as clear, probably as, as, as obvious, and yet for us this morning we face that same battle, but it's usually not as clear. It's usually much more subtle. Oftentimes, we don't know exactly which king it is that's calling our name. You forgive me this morning. I'm going to try to use an economy of words. (laughs) How do we know which God we're serving? Which king? How do we know if we're serving the God most high or whether we're serving the prince of the power of the air? How do we know which voice we're listening to? I believe there's three questions that we can ask ourselves that will help us to understand whether it's the the king of Solomon, the God of peace, that's speaking to us and, in, and is the one that, that we are, are uh, seeking after or whether it's the king of Sodom that is the one who has kingship of our heart. The first question I would suggest that we should ask ourselves is who do I serve? Who do I serve? Perhaps, perhaps this is a difficult question because we would 
as Christians, and I believe most here, if not everyone here would profess to be a Christian, would say, I serve God. And I trust that is the case this morning. But you see, the king of Sodom, the king of this world, offers so much. You can take everything. You can have all the, all the things of this world. You can have everything of my kingdom. Just give me back the people. You can have all the spoils. You can have all the things that, that you desire. And really, I believe that service is a reflection of our obedience. Maybe a better way of, of, maybe a better question this morning would be, where is my obedience? When I was a young person in Bible college, a, a young lady who, uh, who was a year behind us, she, she had quite a shout. She loved to worship the Lord. And after her freshman year of school, during that summer, she backslid. She fell in love with a married man. Apparently, he was planning a divorce, and he eventually did divorce that woman. But she followed after this man. She, she gave up serving the Lord, gave up her Bible school education, gave up her dreams of ever getting married, all those things to pursue this man. And she got him for, oh, I don't know, 15 years or so. Never did they marry. They lived together until finally he left her. But I'll never forget that in the fall of that year that she had backslidden. She had backslidden that summer. She came back to the school to visit her friends. And she made this statement. I have never been more free. I have never been more free. I want to tell you this morning that if serving God is a difficulty, if it's a, if it's a bondage to you, you are not serving God. You are serving yourself and you're fooling yourself by going through the motions. She liked the good atmosphere of worship. She liked to shout. She liked the, the Christian atmosphere. But really what I had a hold of her heart was a desire to please herself. And when she was able to shake free from the bondage of Christianity, for that's exactly what it was to her. She was not a daughter. She became a slave to God. And there's a big difference between being a slave and a love slave. There's a big difference between obeying because I have to or obeying because I want to. And she obeyed because she had to. And when she was able to finally break free from her chains and was able to finally serve the God, the king of this world, she found herself liberated, but what she didn't realize is she was exchanging one set of chains for another. And these chains would not be so easily broken. And even this morning, 
as far as I know, the change of this world and the change of sin that she herself forged for herself have her so wrapped up and so messed up and so confused. Some people, not they don't serve themselves, they serve the opinions of others. They're so caught up in what other people think and what uh, other people's uh, what their opinion about them is. And they're so concerned what so-and-so will think. And they, and they try to dress a certain way. And they try to act a certain way. And they try to live a certain way. And I understand that that, that can have an awful control and awful power over us. But I want to tell you this morning that there's coming a day when we're going to stand before Almighty God and His opinion is the only one that's going to matter. We're not going to care what our friends think. We won't care what our boyfriend or girlfriend thinks, our husband or our wife or our parents or our children or our cousins or whoever it is that, that is so important to us. On that day, we're going to care about the opinion of just one. Whom do we serve? Some this morning, perhaps here, perhaps listening online, are serving their addictions. Things that have gotten them caught up. And maybe you won't even admit to yourself that it's an addiction. But you keep falling in the same area over and over and over again. The Bible calls it the sin that so easily besets us. And we keep going back to the same thing and we keep struggling over and over and we keep asking God to forgive us and we keep, uh, you know, trying to deal with it ourselves. And we get it dealt with and we testify to how, God, how we're serving the Lord. And then that, that week we go home and we commit that same sin over again. And we ask God to forgive us and we come back to church and testify and go home and sin. And so we ask God to forgive us and then we testify and we get ourselves caught up in this never-ending cycle. And we don't have the courage to confess out. I want to tell you this morning, if you're faced with a sin that so easily besets you, you'll never get victory going through that cycle. You're going to have to confess out. You're going to have to find someone and you're going to have to tell them exactly where you're failing in and you're going to have to ask them to pray with you. You're going to have to ask them to hold you accountable. Even in this last year, a pastor friend of mine finally admitted to a sin that had beset him since his teenage years, and he was preaching over top of it because he would pray and ask God to forgive him, and then he'd go to the pulpit saved but still struggling with this thing, and he'd, he'd have victory for a little while, and then he'd fall again. And I'm afraid... Uh, that many of our pulpits are full of men who are struggling in that, in, in, uh, with that same kind of, of defeated 
lifestyle. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're, if you're trying to, to get victory and you're struggling, there's a better way. The King of Peace offers peace. Well, I'll just deal with it between me and the Lord. That's what one young person told me at, at an altar of prayer. He'd, he'd hit his nose so many times at the, at the altar trying to get victory. And he wanted God to be the God most high in his life, but he couldn't because he had a sin that kept so easily besetting him. He said, it's just between me and God. God can give me the victory. James says, confess your faults one to another. You better find somebody who's trustworthy. You better find somebody who's, who's spiritual. Don't find somebody who's struggling with the same thing. Because they'll help you to justify yourself just like you do. But get victory over it. You can have victory. The King of Peace offers it this morning. He's the God Most High. Whom do I serve? I serve my addiction. I serve my sin. That so easily besets. The second question to know if God is the God most high in your life is where do I, I get my blessings? You see, <clears throat> Melchizedek offered the staples of life, bread and wine. I think it's so interesting that these are the elements of communion that Jesus presented at the Last Supper. I believe there's a connection there and a very important one and not one that I can get into this morning for reasons of time and voice. And, and Abraham could either receive the blessing of life or he could receive the blessing of the material goods of Sodom. He had a choice to make. Do I receive the bread of life do I receive the, the symbol of the blood of Christ from the, the priest of Melchizedek? This king and priest of the God Most High. Do I receive these things of life, these blessings, or do I receive the blessings of Sodom and Gomorrah, the stuff of this world? It was a choice that, <coughs> excuse me this morning, it was a choice that Abraham had to make. He could only choose one. You say, I think Abraham could have had both. If Abraham would have tried that, he'd be like so many who go and they accept salvation or maybe go and accept communion. And then what happens is as they go home and they try to have the blessings of the world and they're trying to hold on to both things. How do you know where you get your blessings from? I might suggest, how do you pray for yourself? How do you pray for yourself? Do you pray, Lord, I want this promotion. 
Lord, I want that car. Lord, I want that house. Lord, I want, I want that, uh, uh, I want that, that recognition. I want, I want to win the lotto. I want to win uh, a recognition for myself. Lord, uh, give me, give me, give me. And all the things that we request of the Lord are things of this temporal world. Or maybe we get a little bit more spiritual and we just ask God to protect all of our Sodom goods. Now I believe it's well and good for us to ask God to protect our homes and our families. I believe it's well and good to ask God to protect our health. But here's the question is when God puts his finger on it, whether it's through the Holy Spirit or whether it's through circumstances and we lose it, what is our attitude towards the God most high? God, why did you take my thing? Why did you take my stuff? I thought you loved me. You see, Abraham recognized that the bread and the wine were more, uh, of more value. Their spiritual representation, it was of more value than the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah. The question really is this morning, do we prize spiritual blessings more than we prize the blessings of this world? The question of materialism versus the, the pleasures of God. Lord, help me to be more loving today. Or Lord, help me to, to get that favor with boss today. Lord, help me to be gentle today. Lord, just help my kids to be good today. And believe me, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can pray is, Lord, just hell out of me good today. I understand. Listen, I don't believe that it's wrong for us to ask for the blessings of, of our needs. In fact, Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to pray for our daily bread. Jesus said that he understood that we have need of clothes in, in, he compared the, the grandeur of, of Solomon and, and, uh, and the flowers of the field. He knows we need clothes and he knows we need food and he knows that we need a home and, and he knows we have need of, of these things. But here's the problem. We think we need more than we need. And we make those the big thing. And this is why Jesus tells us in the Sermon on the Mount, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'll take care of all that other stuff that you're so worried about. But is our prayer life first about the kingdom or is it first about our kingdom? Is he the God most high or are we the God most high? In our hearts. In our hearts.
Lord, elevate me. Lord, promote me. Lord, make me look good. Lord, help me to be the best. Or is it, Lord, humble me. Teach me your ways. Where do you get your blessings from? Finally, I would suggest as a question for us to know if God is the God most high in our hearts is who gets our worship? Who gets our worship? What does, what does Abraham do? He does something strange in this passage. It's so strange, it's so weird. And I think we miss it. <clears throat> because of our knowledge of scriptures and future. But Abraham pays tithes to the king of Salem. What are you doing, Abraham? There's no commandment to give to a tenth. Abraham, why are you giving it to the king of Salem? He didn't help you win the victory. And Abraham, why are you giving him a tenth of the spoils? You're not even going to keep any of the spoils. And Sodom says, the king of Sodom says to, to Abraham, I'm going to give you everything of the city. And Abraham says, I have raised my hand to the God most high. I'm not going to take anything from you because I know that if I take something from you, you're going to want something in return. You're going to want my worship. You're going to want to be able to say to everyone, I have made Abraham rich and you're going, this is not a no strings attached kind of deal. And I want to tell you every deal you make with the world is a deal that has strings attached. God rewards his children with an open hand, but the world rewards its slaves with a closed fist. Every pleasure comes at a high cost. Every dollar comes at a high cost in this world. This world never offers a fair wage. For the wages of sin is death. It's an unfair wage. And God says, you know what, you, you can't work good enough, you can't work hard enough to earn what I want to give you, and so I'm just going to give you the gift of life. What a difference. It's an unfair wage. The world always asks more of us than what we're willing or wanting to give. Why is Abraham giving this 10%, this tithe to the king of, of Salem, this priest of the God Most High. It's, a, first of all, a recognition that he could not have victory without God's help. 
So many of us try to overcome our sins and our carnal natures by an act of the will. I want you to know your will is not strong enough to overcome sin. I thank God that he gave us a free will, but our will is powerless to sin. Our will is powerless to habits and to addictions. Psychology and researchers have found that your brain will lie to you and will do everything it can to trick you and to convince you to do the habits that you have done for so long rather than to start new ones. You can't outsmart your brain when your brain is working against you. You can't do it. I mean, I'm... I don't know how smart you have to be to outsmart yourself. But your brain wants what it wants. And your body craves what it craves. They took men and women who had been addicted. I believe it was to heroin. They had been 20 years clean. 20 years without that stuff. They put them in a vehicle. They had hooked their their brains up to the machines and they drove them through the old parts of the, of the city where they used to get their drugs. And do you know what happened when they went to the places where, uh, just driving by the places where they used to get their drugs 20 years ago, the machines lit up. 20 years without the drug, but the brain says this is where I got my fix and I want it. You can't outsmart your brain. You can't outwillpower sin. You can't have victory in your own strength and in your own might and in your own power. And Abraham with 390 men faced off with five kings that four kings had already failed to defeat. How did Abraham with 390 defeat five kings who had already won a great victory? It's because God Almighty wrought the victory. And you say, I don't have enough strength to live it. I don't have enough power to go this way. I can't live holy. I can't live a sanctified life. I can't do it. You're absolutely right. You can't do it. God didn't ask you to do it. He said to let him do it through you. And when we worship, when we give our tithe, when we give our offerings, when we testify, when we set, uh, fast, when we, when we uh, give up what our pleasures and we give them to God as a, as a sacrifice for victory that he's given us, it is a recognition that he is God most high and without him victory is impossible. But it's also a demonstration of faith. I don't know how many times I heard I'm too poor. I can't afford to pay my tithe. One man went to his pastor. He says, Pastor, you don't understand. I can't pay tithe. 
I forget what the dollar figure was. I think he said he made $200,000 a year. He said $20,000. That's a lot of money to pay tithe. He says, I just can't pay that much. He says, I make too much money. I can't pay 10%. The pastor said, I understand. Here, Let me pray with you. And the pastor began to pray, Lord, would you please help bring this man's income down to a level where he can afford to pay his tithes? The man stopped him. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had anybody tell me they made too much money. <laughs> Usually it's the other way around. I remember we were in Bible school. There was a young lady there. She was struggling to pay her school bill. Had a call to... I believe it was missions, I'm not sure now, but it's been so long. But anyhow, she had this call and, and she felt like paying her school bill was her tithe because she was fulfilling her call. I thought she was, a, she was missing the point, but I kept my mouth shut because, well, usually that's the smarter thing to do. She graduated with a lot of debt. And I know another young lady who didn't make as much as she did and she struggled, but she's paid her tithe and her school bill and she graduated without any debt. You see, when we get, offer our substance to the Lord, when we worship Him, when we say, you are the Lord most high and I will give you out of my lack we are saying we have faith that God can do more with the 90% than we can do with our 100%. Listen, I'm not preaching about tithe really this, this morning. That's not the point. What I'm trying to help us to understand, what I'm trying to help us to see is if he's God most high, he deserves 100%. If he's Lord of all, if he's above us, if he's above all principalities and all powers, if he's God above all, if he's God most high, he deserves 100%. You say, preacher, does that mean you put your whole paycheck in the, in the offering? No, that does not, doesn't mean that. What it means is this. It means that God has my car. And I've let people borrow it. Even when it was maybe a little risky. Because it belonged to God. And it means I've picked people up. And taken them places. Even if they weren't as clean as I wished they were. Because it's God's car. It means we've had people in our home that have stayed for months. Because they didn't have anywhere to go. And they ate at our table at no cost. It's happened twice in our marriage. Where we've had people who we've taken in. Because our food. And our table. And our beds. And our pillows. And our sheets. And blankets. And towels. And all, hot water. And all that belonged to God. I'm not trying to brag. I'm trying to talk about God having 
And I'm sure there's people here who have done much more than we've done and given much more than we've given. It's not a contest. And it's not a, it's not a means of saying, I love God more than, than you do. It's about saying, God, here's what I have. Use it however you will. Because you are God most high. You are God most high. And that means maybe even though you've worked a 50-hour work week Monday through Friday, maybe even put in some hours on Saturday, sometimes you still teach a Sunday school class or lead the singing or, or a special or something else, when really you'd prefer if you could just sit and appeal and be blessed because you're so tired from the week. But yet you want to do something for God. You've done for a whole week. You've done for yourself. And you just want to do a little for God. If he's the God most high, he has 100% of our time, 100% of our wealth, 100% of us. Two kings in this world. The God most high and the prince of the power of the air. The king of peace and the king of stuff. The king of joy, the king of pleasure. The king of holiness and the king of selfishness. Whom do we serve this morning? You see, the verse that we've been using as our theme for this series is those that know thy name will put their trust in him. And you see, when you put know that he is the God most high, when you have put him in that place of your heart, you, like Abraham, can accept the greater treasures of heaven and refuse the corruptible treasures of this world. Is he the God most high? El Elyon of your heart. Let's stand this morning. Thank you for putting up with my raspy voice. So very grateful that you take over services tonight. <laughs> Thankful for Jimmy that's helped us out. Good morning service. And I'll ask my wife as she dismisses in prayer.